Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Build Your Team show. I am here with my friend, Vicky Nuffling, and we're about to have a conversation because, number one, she has a ton of experience hiring and helping other people as well, and she's going to be able to share all of that with us, and I cannot wait because she speaks on this topic a lot. She educates on this a lot. So, Let's jump right in. And as always, Build Your Team is brought to you by Client Attraction Pros. Hey, it's time that you become the thought leader of your industry, and we're going to help you do that and make it fast, easy, and fun. Vicky. Hey, how are you guys? Everybody out there? Nice to talk with Atiba and uh, get to know his audience. Yes, it's a pleasure to have you. And I got to ask you this question, okay? Yes. I want to go back into the Wayback Machine. And I'm not <laughs> saying that because you're old, okay? I'm saying that because, you know, everything today feels like it was a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That is so we're not true. old. We're seasoned. I am seasoned, yes. Okay, we're just seasoned. So I want to go back, though to when you hired your first employee or even heck first contractor when you reached that point in business where it was like hey i need help what was that like what do what, what do you remember about that time it's funny you know my career has taken so many different turns the very first person i ever hired was when i was in a small three person office and I had to have a, a receptionist hired. And so you first, as this is the first time you ever do it, you think, oh, I'm going to look at the resume to be able to find the perfect person. <laughs> and then you start to interview people and you find that the resume doesn't always say what really it is. <laughs> yeah. And so I actually learned the hard way because I thought, well, I need this skill. And so I'm going to hire this person for this skill and it should be okay. And what happens, I didn't look at character. I didn't look at attitude. I didn't look at their commitment to the job. And so all of the things that you can imagine then happened in that next couple years of working with that person that I could teach them those mm -hmm. skills. I can't change their attitude, their behavior, mm -hmm. I, and their timeliness to arrive. You know, <laughs> <laughs> if you're not a morning person and I have you having to come in at seven o'clock in the morning, there could be a problem. Oh, yeah. And, and I learned that lesson the hard way, you know, and you hate to have those conversations with a person. So I think the next thing that I, lesson learned is that when you sit down for orientation and don't ever skip, even as an entrepreneur, don't ever skip orientation phase because it's setting them up for success. It's teaching them or telling them what you expect, but also giving the opportunity, if you didn't do it in the interview, to find out what do they expect from this job. Is it a stepping stone for I'm going to get this skill from this company and move on in a year? Or I want to own the company. <laughs> right. And, or I want your job. You know, so you 
definitely want to know those things and ask those questions in the orientation. And we skip by it. We might do orientation to say, here's your phone. Here's the computer. Here's the, where the restrooms are <laughs> and lunches is the time. And we start and end at this time and that's it. And yet you don't talk about the fact that, you know, what is the reporting structure? What is the expectation of us having you grow as in this position? All those are key things that you tend to not think about. So I would say orientation should be formalized as much as you can, just so you don't forget what you need to do. Yeah, those are all really great points. I I think I'm with you there. You know, (laughs) I I remember loving resumes and resume reading and choosing (laughs) the the perfect resume and bringing that person in to interview and then wondering who is this? Yeah, I can totally get that because I've looked at thousands of resumes and it's interesting how when you read it, you get a picture in your mind of persons. Now you can see their picture, but it, it doesn't always match what you expected. So over the years, how have you learned to bridge that gap? Because it's a big thing. And we talk about this a lot here, hiring for fit over hiring for skill. Yeah. Right. And which is exactly what you said. If they've got the perfect skill level and they do everything that you want the way you want it, but they don't fit your culture. Yeah. You need it at 7 a.m. and they don't get it done till 11. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. so how do you bridge and, that? And that's, you know, that takes me back to also my last career, which was the longest. I spent 27 years for a large transportation company and Culture is really important, especially at that company, but at any company. And what I learned early on is that this company, the culture of it was really designed, and it's almost a 100 years old company. So the culture was really designed way back when where a military background fit the culture really well. Like, I'm going to give you orders to do this and you're going to do them to the best of your ability. And that's, you know, the kind of the way it is. So I learned quickly that if it had anywhere on their resume that they were in any branch of the (laughs) Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, whatever, I knew that they could potentially fit very nicely into the company. The company has evolved then that culture no longer fits. Right. And it was harder because now, you know, and now in the 21st century, we have hopefully a balance of the feminine and the masculine energies. And also, if you look at whenever we were young, we had ideas of what we wanted to do. Not much different than the millennials or the Gen X and Zs are. But we don't recognize that anymore because we we're can't remember back that way. <laughs> because we're seasoned. Yeah, we're seasoned. But really, today, though, they want to ask questions. They want to challenge things. They have a different way. And so the military aspect of it, you know, my way or the highway, no longer fit the culture. And so you had to change um, that. Yeah. <clears throat> and I think the... the Well, I guess speak to this here then, because 
There's also the side of some businesses where they feel like, well, I have a military background and I am very military based in the way I think and the way I feel and the way I, I respond as the owner, the head, the manager, whatever mm-hmm. your title is, of the company, the organization, so on and so forth. And that's the culture I want to build. Is that wrong? No, as long as you have people that are comfortable and can grow and develop in that culture. But if you get people that don't fit that, then they're going to be unhappy. They're going to be disgruntled. And we know that that is like a cancer and that attitude, that feeling of disappointment or frustration just spreads like crazy. And and it makes it difficult for anyone to really be comfortable in that environment. So fit is so important. It's really why you should ask a lot of questions whenever you're interviewing people. Yeah, absolutely. So let's say we're there. Okay. Mm -hmm. And from the stories that you've told so far and from knowing you and some of your background, I know you've been here in that place where the hire has been made. They weren't the right fit. They don't yeah. fit the culture. How do we deal with that as business owners and managers? Yeah. So that just makes me remember I had a person who, as I mentioned, the resume was tremendous. And I was looking for a person to be a project lead. And they had degrees out the Wahuni, and they were just... You know, it's on paper looked like the perfect person. They were somewhat seasoned. They Mm -hmm. weren't, you know, a young person. And so I thought this is going to be great. And the way that it worked, they were going to be supporting me in projects so I could teach them how we do things in this culture for the projects. And then After time, after a year or so, I would have them start leading projects. Mm -hmm. Well, as we were working together, it seemed okay. But what I found was, and this is also important, um, she was in a different culture as well. So she was from India. And again, when you hire people, you have to respect and get to know their cultures and what motivates them. And so... The good thing is I do tend to get to know my people pretty well from a personal standpoint. So I knew I had to work a little bit more with her, but her expectation was that she was going to be the boss. And so I tried to fast track her so that she could get to her goal a little faster than I would normally. The problem was every time I put her as a coverage for me, Whenever, as the lead, I got calls Mm. because everything for her, because of all of her background was black and white. And it's really important for those that are listening to understand that you learn a lot in school and college, but you cannot discount what you learn in life. Right. And so So you, you have to be able to work the gray. Everything isn't black and white in anything that we do, and especially when you do projects, especially now when you do agile projects. And so every time it wasn't by the textbook, she was aggressive and 
condescending to the people. And that caused me to have phone calls because that's not the way that I handle the projects. And so to teach that is not something that's done overnight. And so it got to the point where I couldn't really promote her until she could overcome this, but she didn't see that there was an issue. So I had to put her on that performance improvement program which was embarrassing from a cultural standpoint for anyone, but really for her, it was totally embarrassing. I could see that. And so it's like, okay, well, then it became, well, it's you have something against me. Me. So I changed her boss. I said, here, take me out of the equation. And there still were the issues. There still were the problems. So you had to finally have that discussion that I should have probably had years ago, that this isn't the right fit, that you have skills, but it's not working here. Yeah. And we need to part our ways. But, you know, and that's a hard discussion. And a lot of times we as managers or supervisors avoid it because it's uncomfortable. But you're really holding back the person from achieving their greatness. If they're not in the right fit, then you need to, and she could have done another job and not be a project lead, a project manager. She could have gone to something that was more technical where the black and white is the way it has to be, but that wasn't in her mind where she wanted to be. And so you have to respect that and take that on. Yeah, that's, wow. So let me ask you this, looking back on that now, okay, what questions in her interview process could you have asked that would have helped? Yeah, I I love to do now sort of scenario role playing the what if, you know, the play the what if game. So give her a situation and then how would you handle this? What would you do? And sure, in some ways she could give a textbook answer back to me. But if you can get it to a real life situation that she may not be aware of, and again, Mm -hmm. does she ask me questions that will help her understand, oh, well, this is a special situation, you know, where I need to uh, understand the personalities that I'm dealing with. Mm -hmm. You need to understand the timeline and the pressure that might be on it. Uh, where I, I may need to escalate to another person to come in as a subject matter expert and not always be me. You, you know, sometimes people think, well, I don't want to bring somebody else in because it will take away from my credibility, which is absolutely not true. Right. Uh, you recognizing that you don't know everything. Adds to your uh, credibility. Yes, absolutely. So those are the kind of questions that I would ask in the interview as you're doing the Uh, role-playing or the scenario, what ifs, how do they respond with questions to find out more? As a project leader, especially, I spend a good two or four months asking questions before I even start the project. And if you're not able to do that, then you're not going to be successful. You'll end up at the time where the money crunch comes in that you're not meeting your goals because you didn't ask those early on questions. And I've been brought into projects after they've already started and weren't willing to do and ask those questions or go back and 
it it just didn't go great and i knew it wouldn't yeah now and and that last piece there is a such a huge point that i ha- hope everybody gets to because i know there's some people who are listening and say oh i asked those scenario type questions and i still have have problems but what vicky added in there was listening to the questions that they ask you back about the scenarios, right? Because now you get to see how they think as well. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I've interviewed people, and, and Vicky, you've probably had this experience where in their questions that they've asked, I understood the thing that you care about most is covering your own tail from the questions that you ask. Whereas I've had other people who have asked questions and, and make me realize they care about the well-being of the team and how to help the team be better. Well, which one do I want in my environment? Again, what's the right fit for me? Right? Absolutely. And, you know, again, it goes back to feeling uncomfortable of asking the questions, but you have to listen to them to be a great manager. And, you know, this is part of what I teach. I spend a whole lot of time on active listening mm-hmm. because you really need to listen, not to just hear, but to understand. And I think a lot of times we listen to hear and think about what we're going to say next, not necessarily to understand what was said. And we don't ask the question, what. Well, this is what I heard you say. Is that what you meant? Because we, again, when it looked like we know it all and we're absolutely perfect and wonderful in the matter of fact is that maybe you did misinterpret or misunderstand what they said. And by repeating it back, it gives you, as we mentioned earlier, more credibility to yes. wanting to get to the root of the matter. Yes, absolutely. There was something that you said a little while ago that, I want us to go back to, because it's a conversation that we've not had in any of the past episodes of the show. And one that I think flat out, I'm almost appalled that we missed. Okay. Cause you mentioned that you had that lady and she was from India and we've talked about hiring for fit. And that is bringing someone in to your environment where you've created a culture and making sure that they fit. So you have a corporate culture, Mm -hmm. right? And as owners, as managers, we're responsible for that corporate culture and helping people fit into that corporate culture and bringing the right people in. But every one of those people, persons, bring in their own personal culture. Yeah, absolutely. Right? And what's our responsibility as we look at different people and their cultural background and our corporate background, should we just say, you know what? It doesn't matter what your personal culture background is. You're here. You need to fit into here. Yeah, that doesn't work anymore. <laughs> so we actually, and again, this is part of what I teach. We have five generations of people working for us out there, five generations. And each generation has different motivators and persuaders and triggers. Mm -hmm. And also it is a diverse group with especially what we've now expanded being 
in a virtual world in some of our teams, we have these remote teams where we have people from around the world. So it is a responsibility. It's not just a, a nice to have. It's a responsibility of you, the hiring manager and the direct manager to understand what their culture is. And you cannot do one size fits all. So yes, it does take more work as a manager to manage a team that's diverse because you cannot say this is the one way we're going to do this. This is how I am going to handle things. I hated the word as I was growing as a manager. It sets precedence. I was often told you're working too hard and you're setting a precedent that the others can't do. Hmm. Well, why? I never said I was in a race with them. This is how I do my job. This is my work ethic. And why should I slow it down? Because others don't want to do that. You know, they do they, you know, what do we say? You do you. <laughs> so as a manager, I have to see. I had a programmer, a young person who did the best work between midnight and 4 a.m. The corporate culture was nine to five, obviously. But I went to my manager and I said, do you want good work? You want to see excellence? Let her work from home and do the programming from 12 to 5. And they did. And she was fantastic. Now, they could have said, no, she has to work. And then I would have gotten terrible job because I, I know that she was still doing something else between 12 to 5, you know, whether it's freelance side gig or something because she was, that was her prime time. So let's dive in there a little bit deeper because I hear the, the, the skeptics say, so you mean I've got to tailor everything to every single individual? So I got somebody who wants midnight to 5 a.m. and then somebody else who wants 10 to 3 and then somebody who wants a coffee break every 15 minutes and then somebody else who wants and... How do I? Yeah. Well, that's going to the extreme there. And again, that's setting expectations. So, uh, you know, when they take their coffee break, it's irrelevant to me as long as you're getting your job. And, you know, it depends on what your corporate structure is, you know, for now, a lot of because of remote and whatnot, mm -hmm. things have changed. You know, if you're in shift work, you know, part of the, the tr transportation company I had, they have shift work people. Well, mm -hmm. okay, well, you're mid twilight midnight, <laughs> you mm -hmm. know, it, that's what it is. And if you can't do that, then you can't do this job because we right. need people, we need bodies. Right. So it, it's, what is your situation? But if it's in a corporate office where you are not having a meeting with someone at a certain time during the day, and in person, then yeah, you have to show up for that meeting. That's a responsibility. But other than that, you know, do your job. I'm not going to micromanage you. And I think that's one of the things that we learned through COVID was I did as a manager, I do not need to watch everything you do. I just need to care about what the outcome is. What do you present at the end of the day or the week or whatever? When your project is due, do you hit the deadline? Are you yeah. before the deadline? If you do, I don't care how you did it. And yeah. that's the mindset. So it is sure 
if in their culture, say you're in the office from Tuesday through Thursday and Friday and Monday, you work from home. So Tuesday to Thursday, your structure of what you do may be more regimented because you have other people that are all going to lunch at one time or breaks at one time, and you're going to follow along there. But there's no rule that says you have to, you know? So let's talk about the C word and some of the changes. And let's talk about a virtual environment. Mm -hmm. And you started touching on this just a little bit just now, which is why I want to kind of dive into this and Mm -hmm. of how management and how leadership, two separate things, Mm -hmm. as you well know, have Mm -hmm. changed now in the virtual work world versus the 100% on-site world and or hybrid. Yeah. In 2021, the company I retired from actually called me back to work for a special project just to set up a PMO. And it was only supposed to be six to nine months. And it ended up with supply chain issues to be over a year. So what I experienced there was really telling to me because in the office, as a leader, you watch and you observe. As a manager, you walk around, you visit your people, see how things are going. You might call them to your office. You might go to the break room. You might go Mm -hmm. to their cube or wherever Mm -hmm. office. And you ask questions, just chat, you network, you get to know them, you build relationships. In the virtual world, what I found was my manager only called me if he needed me. And he's a good guy. He was a good guy. But he didn't recognize that he wasn't really building a relationship with me. Now, granted, I'm seasoned. I could call him, which I did from time to time. But I always felt like I was interrupting his day. Mm. As opposed to seeing, ah, this is an opportunity for me. So what I always recommend to folks is, and again, it's hard work. You're getting more money. (laughs) It should be worth it, right? So you do need to just in your day, in your planning for your week, if you have five people, you need to plan times where you're going to check in with those five people just to chat, just to say, you know, how this thing's going, how's the family, (laughs) whatever, Right. not make it about work or, and then you can slip in. How's the project going? Do you have any roadblocks? Is there anything I could help you with? All those things makes the person remote feel that they're part of a team. Correct. If you just say you're a remote worker, here's your job. Every day, every week, you send in what you need to to give to me, and that's it. And I might see you a quarterly review meeting or something like that. I'm not going to be fulfilled in that job. I'm not going to want to stay at that company, and I'm not going to want to work with that manager because I don't feel that they really care about me. Yeah, no, absolutely. And so now let's wrap that in, in terms of the getting to know and the building relationship mm-hmm. and building team, yeah. build your team, name of the show, <laughs> with the ideology too, that now we're hiring across the globe and bring back the culture conversation that we were just having. 
Because one of the things that I see a lot of times, too, with managers when they go global with hiring is they don't know what Czech culture is. They don't know what Malaysian culture is. They don't know what Tanzanian culture is. And now they got one person from each one of those on their team and they're completely lost. How, as leaders, managers, how do we deal there with learning foreign culture? You know, I always say you shouldn't be the smartest person in the room. And so I have no problem. And it's really one of the reasons why I started the podcast and and why I'm going to have a second podcast. I'm intrigued with people and different cultures. And so I'd love to just say, you know, if they have an event coming or a, a party or whatever, you know, tell me about it or I want to know what it was like to grow up in that culture. What really excited you whenever you were going to school? And you ask those questions. Again, it shows you care. And it really also shows a lot of times that the world is not that different. (laughs) That the, the people may look different, but the things that they need are not different. And when you start to see that, you can have the empathy that I've been there, done that, and be able to connect emotionally with that person. But you have to take the time to do that. And you need to know what you shouldn't do in terms of hand gestures or of certain words to use, Mm -hmm. the the respect piece, all Mm -hmm. of those things. Just come out and say, hey, I don't know anything about Malaysia. Tell me a little bit about your culture, about your history, things that you uh, are important to you so that we can have a good relationship. Yes. And they will appreciate that. Just as, you know, I'd love for them to ask me, you know, what was it like to grow up in Pittsburgh and now in the South? What were the changes? You know, all of those things will help you be able to relate to one another. And when you can do that, then you know what it is that you can do to get the very best out of that individual. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, wrapping this all the way back around to where we started, that's a great thing to start in onboarding. Yes, yes. It's the perfect time to start it, to set that relationship correctly, Mm -hmm. right? You know, for us, one of the things that we do, too, on that, and I'll share this with you, I'd love to get your thought on this, uh, or ways that we could even make this better, is in those weekly meetings and those weekly check-ins, so we do weekly team meetings and then mm-hmm. manager meetings, check-ins, so on and so forth, they all start with, what were your wins for the week? And we start with personal wins and professional wins, because we learn so much in the personal wins of what people are celebrating in their lives, right? And then you can ask questions about the things that they're celebrating in their lives that we learn so much about their culture just from that little piece. It's interesting. One of my groups that I uh, belong to, we do wins. And we do it because I found uh, the more I talk with entrepreneurs and you ask them about their wins, they're trying to look for the big audacious wins. And they forget that the small wins all com- compound into being yes. that big win, that impactful moment. When you ask them that, they only think, well, I'm just going to 
try to find some business related win that I had. And it's like, gosh, for me as a seasoned person, a win is that I woke up this morning, (laughs) that I was able to see sunshine out my window, that I could hear the birds float, that my grandchildren spent time with me this week. Those are all small wins and it's tied to gratitude. Yes. And so we, in addition to small wins, we always end our meetings with gratitude. Mm. Because, you know, a lot of times, well, what is your takeaway from this? Well, you know, a nicer way to think about it is, what am I grateful for being in this hour, this meeting? What did I learn that is going to make me a better person, a better manager, a better teammate? That's what I'm grateful for. Yeah, I like that. I like that. That that's good. And I want y'all to kind of see here how this works, okay? Because what do we just learn about Vicky? One, she appreciates nature, right? When she said what she's grateful for, you you heard she woke up, she was able to look outside, she talked about nature things. Then she talked about her grandkids. So we learned that she has children, grandchildren. And more than one. And that leads us to questions that we can ask her about either one of those areas as we learn and get to know her. See, that's what you do with your staff, what you do with your team. Yeah. That's how you yeah. build team. That's how you build your culture as well. You've yeah, got to be I, willing to ask. Go ahead. Rick. I have a, a great story. I had nine people working for me and I had this one programmer that financially she needed her husband was a teacher just as mine was so you learned something else and so financially she needed a little boost she had a son and so again getting to know her as the way i do things i knew that there was something that was holding her back from accepting the few times that we asked her to go into supervision She had the skills, she had the mental state that would be a good leader, but she kept on saying no. Hmm. And so I knew I had to have a conversation with her, but she was a very private person. And and you have to respect this too. You walk the waters gently. Yeah. So I finally had enough trust with her to say, let's talk, you know, and we went out to lunch and just chatted. And I found that her son was having troubles. And, you know, he he tried to set their house on fire. And so he was having this mental stuff going on. And she just didn't want to not be present until they could work this out with him. And being a supervisor, she knew she would have to be more available and committed to being there all the time. And so she just didn't want to do that. Yeah. And so I said, that's great. I am so glad that you told me this. If you ever have issues where you need to take time, just talk to me and I'll okay it. So years went by, son came out okay, life was doing well. And she accepted a supervision position, which she excelled in. But she, I could have just said, well, heck, what? Yeah, I don't understand. You have an attitude here and I'm just not going to promote you. And I'm going to maybe move you out of my group 
because I need somebody in that position. But I didn't. And it all worked out in the wash, right? That's why you need to get to know your team. That's why you need to have that relationship because life happens outside of the office. And we need to understand what are the challenges that individual, that teammate is going through that might be keeping them from achieving all the things that they want or that we want of them. Well, Vicki, you just did something that I don't think you even recognize that you did. Okay. And that is you just secured yourself another spot to come back because we got more to talk about. (laughs) Okay. That last story just secured it. All right. Not that you hadn't before, but just in terms of we've got to talk about trust and building trust. Yeah. I mean, that is huge. We've got to talk about growth and growth paths for people. Mm -hmm. And also the role as leaders in service. Yes. To their people. Because mm-hmm. that's what you were to her. You were in service by getting to know her and asking those questions. You were serving her. Yeah. And the benefits that that has for the person and the organization overall. So you've got to come back. So please yeah. promise me that you will. I will definitely. Because we also need to talk about mentorship. Yes. Let me write that one down too. (laughs) (laughs) Hold on. I got to make that note too. Mentorship Mentorship. is huge. So we've got more to discuss, but, but Vicki, it's been such a pleasure and we've kind of danced around this a little bit. You've hinted at it a couple of different times, but I want you to tell everyone. Okay. Number one, what is it that you do and who do you serve and how can they reach you? Absolutely. So I am a speaker on leadership and public speaking, overcoming that fear and being really the most engaging, captivating speaker you can be. I also, as I mentioned, teach about leading with your heart, your head and your hands. And that is really a lot about the servant leadership piece. I have courses. I do my podcast, which is the Find Your Leadership Confidence podcast. And it's really, I feel like Um, Atiba, I'm a connector. I want to bring resources to you to be able to answer questions that you might have and really solve problems that you didn't even know you had by getting these great um, ideas from others. I also have a program, a three, six and 12 month program where I do coaching for leadership as well as public speaking. So all of those things, you can find information on my website, all of my podcasts. I have um, now posted 192 podcasts in a year. Yes, this week I'll have my 200th one posted. And you also can be able to take advantage of just uh, giving me a call and chatting. I do a checkup of your setup if you are on video and you need help. I do that as well as just a 30 minute free consultation where we just talk about, you know, what you're trying to do and how I might help you. That is awesome. Vicki, thank you so much for being here. And everyone, all of her links to all of her platforms will be either in the show notes if you're on the podcast or if you're on YouTube, you'll find them in the description down below. Connect with Vicki today. Listen. We talk about it here all the time, hiring for fit. You've heard some stories from Vic. You've heard from others. I want you to know you're not alone in this world of building team. 
There are resources. There are ways that you can get help and ways that you can be better. But it is your responsibility to be better. And that's the thing that we as business owners need to learn. Maybe you didn't realize you got into business to build team. But in order for your business to grow, that's what you're going to have to do. Yeah, It is. And you can do it. And there are people out there that need you to do it. Your customers, they need you to do it. That You can have the maximum impact that you can have for them. So, as always, it's been a pleasure. Vicky, thank you so much again for being here. Always a pleasure. Yes, for sure. And we'll see you guys next time. Bye-bye.